and uh, babies and toddlers can go back to the babies and toddler rooms. Such a blessing to see all these children. We're thankful for the parents that are raising them. Please pray with me. Boy, that, that was like half the church that just left. The, <laughs> sorry. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the break and the weather that we are able to have today so that we can celebrate moms and celebrate what you've given to us and, and, and grown in us through your provision of them. We pray that uh, your blessing upon them today, that they would know how appreciated and valued and loved they are. And Lord, we pray that as our Heavenly Father, that we would show you how appreciated and valued and loved you are in our lives as that constant, holy, perfect, comforting presence in our lives. We thank you for all that you are and all that you bestow upon us as your children. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I think it's pretty cool how gentleness fell on Mother's Day. Pretty cool, huh? This past fall, my parents made the trip down here to spend time with their grandchildren, but also with the additional purpose of my father helping me out with a special project. When we bought our house, there was this big hunk of an air conditioner that had been installed into, into, the, into uh, the wall of a room that we had made the girls' playroom. However, this thing like it looked like it hadn't functioned in years, and it was completely corroded and rusted out. Different insects were using it as a highway into our house. So you can see we didn't want it in the girls' playroom anymore if we could help it. So my father and I went about removing it from the wall and then rebuilding the wall where there was a gaping hole to the outside. After we finally managed to figure out how this thing was attached to the house, spoiler alert, with nine big lug bolts that we didn't know were there because they were hidden by foam, we set about rebuilding the wall. And obviously, it was important to put all the necessary levels of material into it. First, another stud to attach everything else to, then the exterior wall with new exterior foam attached to that, and new siding covering that on the outside. Mind you, I had no idea what I was doing, because my father was showing me all this. Then insulation, sheetrock, plaster, and new paint on the inside. I learned a lot that weekend. You could not do, you could not not do one of those steps, right? Or you wouldn't have a safe and weather-secure new wall. Every single one of those steps and layers were crucial to having a strong new wall. And as we've been going through the fruits of the Spirit, maybe there's one that you've missed. We've been video recording all of them and uploading them to our website at fellowshipch.org. You can go back and get caught up with them. But as we've been going through these fruits of the Spirit, we're on the second to the last one this morning. What may have seemed like an arbitrary ordering of them by, as the Holy Spirit led Paul to write them is actually crucial to each of them. 
Every single one of them has been an integral layer building up to the next one and providing, providing the foundation for each of the subsequent ones. For instance, as we've seen, as one biblical scholar pointed out, these nine fruits of the Spirit can be divided up into three, into three groups of three fruits apiece. The first group of three, love, joy, and peace, with love being the foundational inward and outward fruit to all the rest of the fruits, love, joy, peace are mostly inward fruits created in us by the Holy Spirit for our inward spiritual benefit. Experiencing God's love, God's joy, and God's peace are crucial for an inward foundation to be effectively used by God. If we didn't have that divine love, joy, and peace anchoring our souls, we wouldn't be of much use to God because we'd be tossed to and fro on an endless sea of worry, anxiety, fear, insecurity, and human weakness. But in his mercy, God has given to us the foundational and anchoring experiential gifts of boundless love, joy, and peace. Don't reject them thinking you don't deserve them as a Christian. Think, I don't des I'm not supposed to have joy or peace or love. God wants you to have them. That's why they're fruits of the Spirit. Embrace them as the gifts that God wants you to have and God wants you to enjoy. Next, that love, joy, and peace flows outward into the next set of fruits. Those of patience, kindness, and goodness. We can only begin to know what patience is and how to show it to others, for instance, only because of the joy and peace that God has already given to us. Or else we wouldn't be able to show patience if we didn't know what joy and peace was. Likewise, we can only begin to know what goodness and kindness are because of the righteous love that God has already shown to us and has given to us. So knowing that, we can only begin to know what the Bible means when it says gentleness by knowing what are the crucial integral layers of fruits laid down before it. Gentleness is a part of the third and last group of three fruits, along with faithfulness that we talked about last week. The third group of three fruits are fruits that are considered to be overarching general behaviors that epitomize a believer's life. They are general ways of life that are based upon the fruits that came before it. So as we look at gentleness, this is the first thing we're going to look at. It's manifestation, how it's shown, what it is and how it's shown. As with all the other fruits of the Spirit, we cannot see gentleness as a choice of whether or not we want to respond to someone in any given situation with gentleness or not. The fruit of the Spirit of gentleness is a lifestyle. It's a way of life. It's how we live our everyday lives. We have this wrong view that gentleness, especially when it comes to men showing gentleness, is a sign of what? Weakness, right? That we have this wrong view that gentleness and showing gentleness is a sign of weakness. We have this wrong view that in order to be effective and make effective change, we have to respond to interpersonal conflict or get somebody to change with an iron fist and pound it into them. In that way, we have this unbiblical view where gentleness 
if you think about it, doesn't even exist in that world, does it? Random acts of kindness, maybe, but certainly not a lifestyle or a way of life of gentleness. We'll get into what gentleness actually is according to Scripture, but here's another hint as to what gentleness is not. Gentleness is not dependent or directly correlated, this may be a surprise, to the amount of times that somebody has messed up. Gentleness is not dependent upon or directly correlated to the amount of time someone has messed up. In other words, someone may have messed up two times or 20 times, but the fruit of the Spirit is not based on that. The fruit of the Spirit of gentleness is not based on that. Gentleness cannot be based on anything in this world, including another person's behavior, or else it's not real gentleness. It must be outside of this world, or else it cannot be a fruit of the Spirit. On the other extreme, we have this other unbiblical view that gentleness is being a pushover and not actually dealing with a situation. That is also not gentleness, because in some ways it's being a coward, and in other ways it's being selfish because you'd rather not deal with the situation at all. As with faithfulness that we discussed last week, I want everyone to do me a favor as we're looking at gentleness. I want everybody to do me a favor and get rid of any preconceptions and hang-ups that they think gentleness is or should be, and let's be open-minded, let's open-mindedly see what the Bible says gentleness actually is. We're going to start from the ground floor. So let's take a look at the word used for this fruit of gentleness, and we'll go from there. We, we read in our scripture reading in, Gen- in, in Galatians 5.23, the very first word there is the word gentleness. What we have to understand about the word that is used here for gentleness is actually translated, and you might have heard this in other places in the Bible, as the word meekness. The word used for gentleness in Galatians 5 is actually the word translated as meekness. Now, in a lot of ways, that's still pretty unhelpful, isn't it? Because we often have a misunderstanding of what meekness is. When we hear the word weak, we make it synonymous with weak, right? Meek, weak. That's what we connect it to. In reality, however, meekness is not weakness at all. The word for meekness is very closely related to the words for humility and being temperate. The word for meekness is very closely related to the words of humility and and being temperate. Being temperate is being even-keeled, if you think of a boat. Being even-keeled, so to speak, with your reactions to different situations. Not resorting to out-of-control anger or being despondent on the other extreme end of it, but having a level and balanced reaction to any given situation, no matter how infuriating the situation is. Remember, it's not based on the situation. It's based on outside of the situation. These two words, as translated in the English as humility and temperate, are integral to understanding what a biblical understanding of meekness is. Humility understands our place in front of Almighty God and His saving grace over us. 
We have no leg to stand on, much less any sense of self-righteousness or pride in ourselves or how good or functional we are. We owe our everything to God's grace, including Christ's righteousness given to us in any clarity of mind and functionality. In other words, humility means that we place ourselves under God's authority and and within God's will. And because of that, we do not see ourselves as any better than anyone else. And that's the first integral layer of what gentleness is. The humility of having a proper understanding of us before Almighty God and knowing that we are not better than anybody else. It is only through God's grace that we have any hope Having temperance takes that humility and makes it the way we process through emotions and reactions to situations. Notice that temperance is not despondency, is it? Temperance is not despondency. It's having a response, but an even-keeled, understanding, sympathetic, and humble one. That's what temperate is. Temperance takes that humility and says, I could be in the very same situation as this difficult person I'm dealing with, and if it weren't for God's grace in my life, I very well could be. Temperance is not a lack of power, is it? Temperance is simply a control of that power. Temperance is a control of that power only because of godly humility. That's the only reason that we have to to temper that. Now, I went through all of that because biblical meekness is a combination of the two. Humility and temperance. Meekness is not a lack of power, as some misunderstand it as weakness. Meekness is a humble control of how we could react to a person or situation. Meekness is a humble control of how we could react to a person or situation. In fact, a biblical scholar has attached this short definition to this fruit of meekness, and it's in our title today, Gentle Strength. That's a good way of understanding, a very short way of understanding what meekness is, gentle strength. We have a better understanding of meekness from 2 Corinthians 10. Paul writes, now I, Paul, myself, urge you by the meekness and gentleness of who? Of Christ. I who am meek when face to face with you, but bold toward you when absent. We have four different words here in the Greek in this verse. What's translated in the English as meekness. You see that, right? Gentleness, humble, and bold. Those are the four words we see in this verse, right? That, that, this is Paul's Holy Spirit-given understanding of biblical meekness in a nutshell, right here. Let's deal with the, with the last two words first, humble and bold. Again, that's the very definition of biblical meekness, right? A combination of humility and boldness, knowing how to respond. This is knowing that a situation boldly needs to be dealt with instead of running away from it, but addressing it in a humble way. Here's a perfect example of this biblical view of meekness. 
found in the same exact letter that we're going through right now. Brethren, if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of what? Gentleness. Why? Each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted, knowing that you are not any better than the person that was caught in the sin. See, meekness is knowing that a difficult situation needs to be addressed, i.e. having the boldness to address it, but because of a humble gratefulness to God for his grace towards us, we control that power, not by trampling on that person, but dealing with him in a sympathetic, gracious way. So let's go back to 2 Corinthians 10. What are the first two words that are left here? Thank you, Ron. You must be the only one paying attention. Meekness and gentleness, right? You might say, what's the difference? Meekness and gentleness. Isn't Paul just saying the same thing? The actual word for gentleness is used only twice in the New Testament. Here in 2 Corinthians 10 and the other time in Acts 24 when Paul is brought before Felix. Meekness, therefore, is to be understood as the day-in, day-out, general disposition of believers towards other believers and other people in general. It's that humble temperance in dealing with difficult people and situations. The other word for gentleness that Paul uses here in 2 Corinthians 10 is the action connected with that way of life. It's how it's seen. Both, as Paul says there, were epitomized by who? By Christ, by Jesus. Jesus never shied away from difficult, even torturous situations. And even when he went through the height of his humiliation and torture, he handled it in a humble and temperate way. In fact, one could say that Jesus' meekness dealt with his executioners in a gentle way. Jesus' meekness is ultimately seen in relation to us and as a challenging illustration to us in this verse. Matthew chapter 11. And he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am what? I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. This verse shows us point blank how meekness is built upon the other fruits of the Spirit. And that's what we come to with our second point here. We talked about what it is, what, how it's shown, and then its foundation, what, built, what it's built upon. This is how meekness or gentleness is built upon the previous layers of the other fruits of the Spirit. And this will help us have an even fuller understanding of what it is. It all begins with the love of God. That's where it all begins. The love of God towards us is the basis for our salvation and the opening of the portal for all the other fruits of the Spirit. It shows us how highly he thinks of it and how highly he thinks of his image bearers and how we need to do the same. The second greatest commandment, or love your neighbor as yourself, flows seamlessly into meekness because it provides the, the foundation for that meekness. The fruit of the spirit of love seen in the lifestyle of placing others' interests ahead of your own also provides an important foundation for meekness. 
In reality, we have no reason to be gentle towards others if it weren't for God's love being poured into our hearts. Love is the power behind the gentleness. Love sees that other person, even a difficult-to-deal-with person, as someone we need to be loving as ourselves and holding their inherent worth as a fellow image-bearer above our own pride, above our own selfishness, and above our own desire to get even. God's love towards us in one aspect is that we have to be grateful about and what we have to be joyful about. That joyous recognition of God's grace is directly influenced, is, is to directly influence how we feel towards, react to, and view other people. Again, meekness demands that we re- recognize that God's grace towards us is so great, we have no reason to be anything other than gentle to anyone else. After all, that's how God deals with us, especially when we've angered, hurt, or belittled Him. Am I right? The peace that comes from that joyous recognition of God's grace and boundless love towards us anchors our souls, which flows seamlessly into the temperance that makes up what meekness is all about. The peace that transcends all human understanding that can only come from God, as Paul writes to the Philippians, is what supplies the even-keeledness and motivation for gentleness. If that peace did not exist, there's no way that true gentleness can exist. That peace says... This person constantly messes up, or this person keeps not changing and rubbing me the wrong way, or this person needs to be set straight. But one, I don't know the whole story of what's going on. Two, God knows that whole story much better than I do. Three, I'm going to trust him with that person and ask him to make me see that person the way that he sees that person. And four, I'm going to ask him to grow more gentleness in me towards that person. That goes completely against anything we feel naturally, doesn't it? Anything we feel naturally. But that's why gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. We cannot create it in ourselves. We cannot make it up ourselves. What we can do is to cultivate an environment in our hearts for God to grow that gentleness in us and to look for opportunities to exercise or work out that gentleness. The peace of God is what makes that even a possibility entering our minds. That peace is also directly connected to the patience that is often a part of meekness towards someone else. Patience is huge when it comes to meekness, isn't it? If God is our foundation, that gives us peace, which is outwardly shown through patience. That patience is true patience because it's not based on the person being interacted with or the situation or, believe it or not, our emotions. That patience is true patience because it can and must only be founded upon God's peace in our hearts. Then meekness can be shown in a very real way 
through gentle patience. Similar to the direct connection of patience towards practical meekness, the fruits of goodness and kindness or righteous goodness informed humble kindness are also direct manifestations of practical gentleness. In other words, gentleness is shown in good and kind ways. Lastly, God's assurance to us of his good promises or faithfulness will cause us to have gentleness be our knee-jerk reaction to people. If faithfulness, like we talked about last week, is a fruit of the Spirit and has nothing to do with us for its origin, then gentleness or meekness as a fruit of the Spirit has nothing to do with us as its origin. Faithfulness says, I will trust all of God's promises because he has convinced me of his trustworthiness, including the one about working everything out for the good of those who love him. And therefore, I will continue to show gentleness towards this person no matter what happens. I don't need to force someone to be the way that I think they should be. That's in God's hands. That's what faithfulness says. My job is to have gentleness grown in me towards that person. Again, it goes against everything we think and feel naturally. I know that was a lot. But I went through all of that to show that all the previous fruits of the Spirit are a piece of the puzzle of what gentleness is. If you want to fully understand what gentleness or meekness is, you must first have a good understanding of the previous fruits. So we talked about its manifestation, what it is. We talked about its foundation, what it's built upon. And thirdly, let's talk about its application, what in the world it has to do with us. We've already gone through several ways of thinking about meekness and even applications tucked in there. But I want to focus on this, this section on the following verses. In Titus chapter 3, we read this. In giving instruction for a church, Paul writes to Pastor Titus, Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. Now we see there already the fruits of goodness, that is good deeds, as well as the fruit of peace. The fruits of love, kindness, and faith follow in the rest of the chapter, but right in between the two halves of the fruits seen in this passage, we have the phrase, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. That's the phrase that we have there. Believe it or not, that phrase contains the words we've been talking about all morning. The word consideration can also be translated as humility, but it's the same exact word for meekness. That way of life of meekness is then shown through the word gentle. And what do we see that meekness and gentleness directly connected with? What do we see there at the end of that passage? For all men, right? That's what we see there at the end of the passage, for all men. Do we see at the end of the passage there gentleness, gentle showing every consideration for those who deserve you to be meek towards them? Or those who deserve gentleness in life? Or those who earned 
your gentle response? Those who agree with you are those who you naturally like and get along with? No. What does it say? It says all men. And before anyone starts to try to get around that word and say, well, I don't need to be gentle towards my mom or my wife because she's not a man. Before anybody starts to try to get around that word, that word is a word that literally means the entire human race in general. That's what that word means, the entire human race in general. So what's that mean? It means it doesn't matter who they are. Does it? There's no qualifications on there, is there? It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what they've done. It, it means it doesn't matter what they continue to do. It means it doesn't matter what they've done or continue to do to you. It means all of the human race with no conditions, excuses, or stipulations attached to it. Paul could have very easily, right here, specified that phrase down to any group of people. That would have been a perfect place for that. He could have very easily specified that down to just believers in Jesus. But the Holy Spirit chose not to for a very important reason. The Holy Spirit chose to include that word for the entire human race. That includes showing gentleness towards the person who's wronged you more than once. That includes showing gentleness towards the person who's caught once again in a habitual sin. But remember what meekness is. You still deal with the situation. That is, you don't run away from it or pretend it didn't happen. But in a humble and temperate or even-keeled way. Emotions have nothing to do with it. Holy Spirit guidance has everything to do with it. Emotions have nothing to do with it. Holy Spirit guidance has everything to do with it. Why? Why are we to see every person through a meek and gentle way of life? Well, Paul answers that question next in his instruction to Titus. He says, for we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But did God leave us there? No. But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, we like to base our gentleness on what people do. But according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. We've already, we, we, we are gentle with everyone else because God was first sympathetic, loving, understanding, gracious, temperate, and humble towards us. It's because we know that if it weren't for God's gentle grace towards us, we would be completely hopeless. So just with all the other, as with all the other fruits of the Spirit, 
Focus on cultivating an environment in which gentleness and meekness can be grown. The seeds of meekness cannot grow on stone-hard soil, can it? No. It must first be tilled, and that requires humility. You understand, you first understand that I've got pretty stone-hard heart when it comes to this. I need to be humble and allow God to till that soil. And like any muscle, meekness can be grown even more if that gentleness is exercised and worked out. And like with muscles, that's not going to happen unless you look for opportunities to do that. You can't just sit on your couch and say, I'm thinking about going to the gym, and I'm thinking about getting more fit and exercising. Is that, is that going to do anything? No. You have to actually go out there and exercise it and work it out. God will do the growing of meekness in us. However, we must humble ourselves to open ourselves up to that growth. To know that there needs to be a change made in us. Again, that requires humility and a desire for God to grow us in this area. If you think, I have no problem with meekness, I have no problem with gentleness, God's not going to do anything with that. Hopefully this message has shown us how crucial meekness and gentleness as an integral fruit of the Spirit really is. We like to read through the fruits of the Spirit and say, I like the first one, joy, that's good. Peace, oh, I really want that. Patience, eh. Kindness, eh. Goodness, eh. Faithfulness, that's good. Gentleness, you don't even think about that one. But I hope that the message today has shown us how integral it is to our lives as a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Meekness or gentleness are just as much crucial fruits to our faith as patience, faithfulness, or what we're going to talk about later, self-control. So let us be a people who take the fruit of meekness and gentleness seriously. Let us ask God to grow more meekness and gentleness in us, and let us look for opportunities to exercise that gentleness. The world only wants to tear people down and destroy them. No one needs that also from children of God who have had God's divine gentleness shown to them on a daily basis, do they? No. Let us be known as walking manifestations of gentleness towards any and everyone in a world that only supplies destruction to their lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this fruit of the Spirit known as gentleness. I pray that we've seen how important and crucial it is to our lives to have it grown in us so that we can, too, be ambassadors of meekness and gentleness to a hurting world, to a hurting and pained world. Lord, I pray that we would be known as ambassadors of meekness. That if somebody is dealing with a difficult situation, they're in pain, they're looking for help, they know they can come to one of your children and they'll receive that gentleness. I pray that we would each be that source and that force in the circles of friends and family and neighbors that you placed us in. Only you can grow that power in us. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close.